0: Hello and welcome to the Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors.
1: When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon.
0: Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours.
1: people working hard for you and me moving higher time and time again through the years you'll find us here
0: moving higher hello and welcome to moving iron podcast i've got andy campbell back here from track to zoom to talk about what's happening in the marketplace so andy how you doing man
2: yeah, uh, doing well, Casey. It's exciting times, uh, nerve wracking, but exciting.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a weird feel going into twenty four. Right? I mean, I don't. Some are really concerned about what the economy is going to look like. Some are concerned about. Um, they think that you know they're going to make, they're going to be profitable, but they don't know how profitable they're going to be. Um, and some are just, just straight up worried about what they see with you know Fed and those kind of things as far as interest rates go. So it's just a, a very uneasy time right now. Talked to a lot of folks and I, I can't, I don't get the same vibe from everybody I talk to. Typically, when something like this comes around, you get a similar vibe, um, kind of across the board, kind of a, a similar storyline. But I, I'm just not feeling that right now. What do you, what are you hearing from the guys you're talking with?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was actually listening to a couple of the, the farm podcast talk shows, going over the markets and stuff. And yeah, you're right. It's all over the board. Probably due to a little bit of how the farm economy was this past year, some people struck it rich and didn't expect to. Some other people took it in the shorts. Uh, So probably you know due to a little bit of that, Um, and then you see the same thing with the corn market. Some places, especially Indiana, and those they've got piles of corn uh, up in the Dakotas. I've heard they've got the same. And then some places here in Iowa, where their ethanol plants usually have million bushel piles, there's nothing. And so I'm kind of seeing similar you know sentiment uh, both from dealers few of the ag lenders that we talked to as well uh that it's a little up a little down um but in actuality i think what we're seeing is it's going to be somewhere in the middle and a little bit more moderated uh, yeah. so that's just kind of my take
0: yeah i think i think 24 is going to be one of the first years we've had in a while where it's not either all one all really really awesome or all really really bad it's going to be an even mix of both um i i kind of feel like we're going back to a 2018 2019 style economy where it wasn't really really bad but it wasn't really really good either right and they were they were just just right there making making they're making money but it wasn't like they were making tons of money right it was not like they're making they weren't like losing a ton of money so we'll have to see what happens there but I think 24 is going to be a, a very interesting year to watch play out and and how things change especially if excuse me especially if the um the federal reserve starts looking at lowering rates and they kind of start going through that. And if you've heard people talk about that, and I've had, you know, rich Post on here talking about that quite a bit over the last, you know, six months or so. Um, he doesn't think it'll happen till, you know, into the second quarter going into third quarter before they happen. But there's a lot of people betting on that January, February, March timeframe to start seeing rates go the other way. So we'll see what happens. And when that does happen and if it does take off, you know, um, like I told a guy the other day, five percent interest looks pretty good right now, and I
2: that's, that's going to be easy thinking <laughs> about that. But uh, yeah, that's the case. Yeah, for sure,
0: <clears throat> for sure. All right, so let's talk about a little bit we see happening here. Let's let's go with a real life example, Andy. You're, you were talking earlier that you got an eighty-one thirty out there that you guys on your farm that you're that you're running through the uh, through the auction market a little bit. Talk about that yep. a little bit and, and what you see happening. Is it playing out like you thought it was going to?
2: Yeah, it's actually it's. I mean, literally, it's going on right now. So it's a, a Steffes auction up in North Iowa. And to lay the background on this, you know, you and I are recording now. It's about ten twenty in the morning. Uh, it was supposed to close at 10 o'clock. And so, you know, they're doing the extended bid now. Uh, and it's in that last section of the, the auction where it always, hopefully, uh, skyrockets. <laughs> but yeah. laying into this is, you know... Uh, probably about two months ago, you know, we were working with a, a nearby dealer on potentially trading this in. We're already upgrading to a newer tractor. We have to this year. Um, and so do we trade it in and what offer were they providing us versus do we take this thing to auction? And we we're really watching the recent values and how they're continuing to hold strong at auction. And so the um, you know, essentially it became back and forth where we had to make a decision to ship this thing off to the, the auction yard, if we we're going to do it. Um, and then the local dealer, the, the final offer that we got, which ended up not actually being their final offer was a little too low. Um, and so we rolled the dice thing and then we could get better at auction. Now, as it's playing out, we are almost 20,000 above of what that uh, final offer was. So good thing that we're watching the trends. I think, I think yeah. you know, but as of, <clears throat> I don't know, four hours ago, we we're actually below. So it's just right now starting to take yeah. off. But I think what it is, is it's showing a little bit of, you know, this is pre def, uh, 2013, um, 2013. It's those types of row crop tractors are doing well right now. Oh yeah. How uh, many hours are you on 5, it? Five thousand.
0: And see, that's a sweet spot for something like that. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, that 3,500 to 5,000 hour tractor right now has always been, for the last ten years, has always been a bang for your buck kind of tractor when you start looking at yeah. where those values start to play in.
2: Yeah. And so we're watching it play out right now. Um, Obviously been glued to it all this morning, but, uh, but yeah, I think it gets back to a little bit of what we talked about just a second ago with what's 24 going to look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I think there's farmers right now with enough cash reserves from some from 22 when they're holding over grain uh, 23, at least in our area was better than anticipated for a lot of farmers. And so even though they're anticipating and they know 24 is not going to look as good uh, they, they've got the cash in the pocket right now. They're thinking about building up their fleet in anticipation that the next few years might be, you know, might be rough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so let's spend a little time talking about that tractor and just that, that kind of where that's at. So when you start looking at the, you know, I, I break it down into about five different st- tractor groups, right? So you got the zero to 300 hour tractor, you got that 300 to, five or 600 hour maybe 700 hour tractor maybe one one group there i really think it's 300 to 500 and then there's another group from like five to seven and then seven to like a thousand right but then you start going from a thousand that that group from a thousand they're really looking at that is a a thousand hour tractor what i'm looking for or is it a 2500 hour 3000 hour tractor that i'm looking for and they'll play in that that range a lot you know they're really playing that range, range a lot and then when you get above three thousand, it's you know it's when you're looking at about that three to five thousand hour tractor and what that looks like. When you're looking at all those things and how they play out, those things are all starting to show. Kind of go back to that that twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen timeframe where it was the the, the fifty thousand dollars something or the hundred and fifty thousand dollars something was what was really starting to be where that contraction was in the marketplace. Yep. Primarily because I've got a tractor that's got. $50,000 worth of equity in it, I can go buy a $100,000 tractor and finance $50,000. That's yep. some of the mindsets you see there. Baylor's were another big thing that we're, we kind of saw go through that. Baylor, windrowers, those kind of things where, again, you know, I've got $25,000 equity in my Baylor. I can go get the new $60,000 Baylor and I'm going to have to finance $40,000. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff where cash on hand too is also playing into that. You know, I had $50,000 in my equity in my tractor, I got another fifty thousand. Now I can go finance fifty thousand on the hundred and fifty thousand dollars something and my bankers gonna let me do that, right? Or I can fly under the radar and the banker's not gonna know I'm doing it or something like that. You know, those kind of things are playing into play. you start to see more of that start to come back in into what we see happening now where they're looking at the equity they have in their machines. They're looking at the cash they have on hand and they're looking at what's upgraded what am I upgradable to without really having to go out and you know go a whole do a whole performer with my banker about you know what can i do and what can't i do and i think you're seeing more than like you're just talking about right here the tractor you're talking about your 8130 is a great example of that because one pre-death right mm-hmm. two it's got that it's in that hour range but it's also in that dollar value range where guys are taking a look at it of what have i got versus what the cash do i have and what's my actual you know risk and financial opportunity that i'm going to see come uh come ahead of me here and i, I you're more and more of that kind of stuff is playing out over the course of, of this, what we've seen in this typical auction period
2: between, you know, September through, through the end of the year here and then December. Right. And I, and I think not to make your model a more complex, but I think the older tractors, you know, the 8130s, anything that's essentially five, six years older is fitting into that a little bit right? Um, where I'm starting to see a little bit of a difference on that is when you get to like your eight R series, plenty of right. supply of those out there. And, you know, the one-year-old 8R tractors, they seem to be doing really well right yep. now. But once you get to be two years old, three years old, you know, put on a thousand plus hours, I'm starting to see that market decrease mm-hmm. a little bit. But I think that's because you've got those farmers out there that either you're, you're big enough and you've done well enough that you can buy and you want to buy that one-year-old mm-hmm. just because that's what you do. You trim every year. Yep. But there's less of those big farmers, again, that are that want those two to three-year-old. They don't want to be a twice-owned 8R sure. owner. Yeah, I think that market's getting a little bit weaker right now.
0: Yep. And that's, I've talked about that a lot here when we start looking at the, the solidification of buying groups. You know, you start looking at that. If you're a one to two year old buyer, you're a one to two year old buyer. If you're a, if you're a three to five year old buyer, that's, that's your box, right? And if you are, uh, you know, whatever, a, a six to 10 year old buyer, that's your box. Guys are looking at that from a perspective of, you know, if I've got a, you know, a year ago, I bought a one year old tractor when things were really good or a two year old tractor, things are really good. My typical, um, trade cycle falls back into that. I'm trading my tractor every whatever, you know, whatever their trades are, three to five years or whatever it is. They're looking at the tractor they got that they had, they had 100 hours on or 200 hours on it or something like that when they bought it, and they're looking at it. You know, we put 300 hours on it this year. We're going to put 300 hours on it next year. Uh, we, now we're going to be close to that 1,000-hour range, and we're going to be in that three- to five-year trade cycle again, and then we're going to go back and look for that one-year-old, two-year-old tractor all over again. Well, you, to your point, the guy that, that has the, the, that's going to buy that 6 to 10-year-old tractor, whatever it is, and those things that come into play there, all of those things are starting to play out the same way where they have to come back to the table now and start looking at buying that 1,000-hour tractor and trading in their, their two or 3,000-hour tractor on that 5,000-hour tractor, whatever it is that they're doing. And going back into that 1,000 to 1,500-hour, 1, 2,000-hour range tractor, those guys aren't ready to do that yet. Just because of where interest rates are and what that looks like, it's going to be a struggle, I think, to bring in that. You know, I think the third buyer, the fourth buyer, they're going to be pretty active because just what I talked about earlier. I, my machine's got this much equity. I can do these things with it. I can finance X and still be within the range that my that my banker is going to let me be within. But when you're looking at coming in to buy that three hundred thousand dollar thousand hour tractor, you know that starts to that's that's a whole different thing. You know, I've had conversations with guys where they're saying, like, the trade difference that you want me to do with this right now is is more than I paid for the tractor when I bought it new. And oh. and that that's a mindset thing. And it's a it's a it's a tricking of the mind that you're looking at there because I mean let's be honest. I mean, these tractors and combines and everything else had a depending on what it is and what it was, a thirty to forty percent price increase. Over a three year period, and you saw interest rates jump up four to six hundred percent in that same time frame, so there's a lot of shock and awe right now where guys are like, "Holy crap, you want me to go out and trade my two and a half percent interest rate in for a eight or nine ten percent interest rate it's a It's a whole different world right now, and and it's going to have to this is going to have to settle down three twenty four I think in my opinion three twenty four before you start having people come to you and say, "All right, uh, this is the new normal." I'm ready to start playing this game again. Let's start doing that. I just, it's just that, it's just that whole, it's just like anything else, you know, that whole yin and yang and, and watching things move as things go through this, this bubble that we've, that we've watched deflated and where we're at now, it's going to continue to have this, this feel like, oh my God, the sky's falling. Well, the sky's not falling. It's just things are normalizing again. And there's, there's some, there's some pressure that needs to be, you know, adjusted in the right spot. So it,
2: it, your tractors is a great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. And it's not the same for all different categories, right? I mean, yeah, we're seeing sure. combines, definitely some different hour categories and the combines are getting hurt a little bit more. Um, and we're also analyzing sprayers too, planners as well. Um, it's not all categories that are getting hit the same right now, but I think that the other piece of the equation then is the supply piece. Do right. people feel like they've had an opportunity to upgrade when they needed to upgrade? Mm-hmm. Um, and then combines, I think for some categories, of combines, the answer is yes. Uh, not at all combines. Cause there's actually some of these results that are coming in that are still mystifying me. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. There's some of that stuff yeah. out there. I'm like, really? We're still doing that. Okay. Look at right? That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean the, the seven eighties they've been out, there's been too many of them for too long. And, uh, and we're <clears throat> actually in October, we were following Hudson's, uh, auction which they yeah. had but they, they staggered it you know throughout uh, i think based out of kentucky but staggered at three different auction sales and i was watching some of the prices they were good they'd be kind of what i thought they would come in at but as the month progressed some of the the return values got a little bit less than the previous auction but then hell there's a few uh late november and then last couple of weeks here in december that sold and uh yeah that they were just up there with almost 21 and 22 values. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've watched a couple of those too where, and you know, you watch one and oh yeah, whatever. And then you watch two and he's like, maybe there's something here. And you watch three or four come through and you're still seeing the values hold on things that are what I would consider to be extremely high auction values. It's amazing to watch how nothing's, especially on a set like the class eight combines i don't care if you're if it's deer or if it's case glean or whoever all of those class eight combines there's a million of those made whether whether where yep. where was that because that was a, that's natural transition that you saw you know you went from you know 20 years ago class five class six combines were kind of ruling the world and then class sevens kind of jumped in and they ran the world for about 20 years and then you got now you're left with the class eight combine and bigger now you really start the idea of a class nine and class 10 combines are really starting to come into play as you look at what's going on there. And I think that use market is going to be interesting to watch over a couple of years. We'll get to that here in a minute. But as you're watching that, that class eight combine thing, if you look out there, what's, what's going on, man, there are more class eight combines than all the other combines combined. Uh, When you start looking at what's actually on the marketplace. You would think supply and demand would have kind of played its role here and we would have watched see what happens, but it's, not, it's almost like that's the new normal because I think this is just my opinion. So take it for what it's worth. Guys are looking at the class eight combine and they're saying, like, well, if a class nine is worth X and a class 10 is worth X, then I'm getting a pretty good bargain over here at this class, this class eight combine. Now, I don't know if that's right or not, but that's the only logic that I can come up with that makes sense in a
2: scenario like this. Right. Yeah. They have to uh, anchor on something for yeah. that value. And right. so that's a piece of it. And so, like you mentioned earlier, it's going to take a little bit of time for people to accustom it or get accustomed to, like, this is the new norm that mm-hmm. we're seeing with these values. But I will say, and it gets back to those different buying groups, the one weak piece that I've seen with the S780s in particular, because I looked at the S780s, the 8250s, the five, I took a five year old segment, which is about, you know, the S780s, some of the older ones that are out there. Uh, those peaked in value around you know in 22 in early 23 they were doing okay but still they were a little bit less uh and with those five-year-old s780s i've seen now those um uh, those recent sales so we're talking august or uh, october november and a couple here in december i'm seeing those drop below uh what we saw earlier this year and so i, I and i've seen like four instances of this not just one right. so with that one again but maybe you're, you're talking a very unique set of buyer there that's possibly getting fatigued and worried about cash flow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other thing too, is I kind of wonder a little bit, I mean, obviously there's going to be lines of credit and that's going to be part of it, but you kind of look at some of these lines of credits and I've talked to a lot of folks and seen a lot of different stuff out there on social media where guys are flashing, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13% on their line of credit you know what i mean and so some of these guys got to be sitting there going like okay here's the deal so we got to get this whole interest thing figured out we normally get whatever we get five hundred thousand dollars or whatever the number is we get five hundred thousand dollar line of credit um we've got 150 in the bank we're only going to get we're only going to get 350 this year and we're gonna we're gonna cash flow this other one hundred fifty thousand with cash and and then kind of Look at that from that perspective because we start looking at those kind of numbers on as big as numbers that you have to have now for lines of credit, even on the smallest of operations, that in a lot of cases that's your that is your profitability right there going out the window in, in interest. So right. uh, there's there's that other part too, I think, that folks are, are really diving into from Uh, you know what's what what's my cash flow look like and how's that work and how's it going to play out this year so that'll be it's i'm just telling you 24 is not going to be i'm not going to it's not dying it's not going to be some big huge you know the world's coming to an end type scenario but what i am talking about is the way people look at how things are coming along in my opinion are going to be really driven towards how is the rest of what's my profitability look like and what's my cash flow look like? And they're not going to know that till the end of the year. And I think that's kind of one of those things that we'll see. So I don't know. We'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. yeah. One interesting thing, and, and I can't answer this one, but when you have a conversation with a, a grain marketer on here, you should ask him on how much grain do the, does he think uh, the farmers have in the bent because of that exact reason right there. Yeah. If they can sell now in this year, take advantage of a slightly more advantageous, like 179 deduction, uh, and buy that equipment right now, offset some of the decent profitability this year, knowing that next year is going to be hard, and also taking that cash right now to reduce that operating line of expense, my guess is that farmers are going to carry a whole lot less cash in that bin into next year. And, and the implication there then, if that's actually the case for the dealer, is this is the year. Uh, because if they're not going to have that profitability next year of selling that you know, that cash grain, Um they're just going to have less to potentially offsets. Right. Um, and again, it's not, like you said, it's not the sky is falling, but it's a way back to that 17, 18, 19 timeframe where they have to be very cognizant of their cash flow uh, and what their operation can handle. Yeah.
0: And it's still, and we're also back into a normality of, of the buying pattern of, you know, for three years we went through, if, if you had it on the lot, I'll take it. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'll take it. Now it's like, oh, you got, you got five of them in the lot now. I'm, I'm going to really look at what you've got here. I'm going to pay attention to what you've got here. And I'm actually going to go out and try to find the one that I want. I'm looking for a specific option or I'll need a certain tire size or whatever it is. You know, those kind of things are going to start playing out to where more folks are going to start holding out till they find the exact piece they're looking for. And and that's going to be an interesting, um, an interesting run. I think as we look at those kind of things.
2: Yeah. And on that note, I mean, you and I chatted about this a little bit before we got on camera, what we're hearing now at TractorZoom is a lot more of our dealers are calling in about how they're using our product differently now because mm-hmm. of that sales cycle. And, you know, you log on to Tractor Zoom Pro and you've got all the comps and, you know, click through and see all the auction, recent sales, all the dealership listings. Um, a lot of dealers are just turning that computer around, sitting down with the farmer when they come in and say, hey, whether you're trading into me or whether you're looking to buy, this is what's out on the market right now. And it, it helps make, level the playing field a little bit so you don't get those conversations with a farmer where they're saying, I saw this Indiana auction that went like for $150,000. And, and they, they just have a skewed sense of reality. It's just bringing everybody to the same playing field. Right. But what it's actually doing then is it's successful at keeping that conversation there. And so then it's not a, well, hey, I'm going to go home and do my research and maybe give you a call back. It's It helps close that conversation right there in the, when the farmer walks in the dealership. Which I think everybody knows is it's just a higher likelihood of success.
0: Yeah, yeah, No, I and mean, you're you're exactly right when you're looking at trying to trying to figure out what that looked. The more information that you can present, um, I've heard a lot of folks say, "Hey, you know, the more information you present to somebody, the uh, the more you give them to think about, and you might give them the fuel to go do something different." And I kind of always feel like, "What are you talking? Th- no, that's." the more information I can give a customer, I think the more trust you can build with them right. and they're, they're seeing the transparency in what you're trying to do. Right. Yep. And, and the thing about the sales process is we're trying to get everyone to win. Right. I need to win a little bit. The farmer needs to win a little bit. Um, you know, because we have, um, both of us have to make money. Right. And that's just how, that's just the, the thing of, it, of the way it looks. Now, all that being said, if you are, um, not diligently looking at the trend lines that you see develop in um the equipment business you know the old saying trend is your friend type of thing i mean there's there's more information out there now to show you what something's worth than ever before and um even even from when i I you know this is be my coming up on my 18th year of doing this you know if you've got from where I started at, what you had to pick from, and where you're at now, and what you have to pick from, it's it's almost overwhelming the amount of information you have now to see what things are doing. And some of the stuff you can track, some of the stuff you can't, some of the stuff is there, but there's there's plenty of information out there and plenty of 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 places like tractor zoom that'll give you what you need to find. And I think that's the the kind of misnomer a little bit when you start looking at you know, only using one site to go look at your stuff, or only doing you know whatever. You've got to track auction values. You've got to track retail values. You, know, you got to see what's happening month over month over month. And I think, like, trackers, you guys do a great job of showing, of being able to see what that looks like, and, and it's
2: easy to pick that up. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's for me. It's been nice being just analyzing the data, being able to have it just structured just that way, so so I can dice it however I want to or filter through it just to see those trends. Because you're right. I mean, it, it does get nuanced because we know there's buying groups out there. There's regionality. You know, I was just talking uh, to Kevin out at Huber about just how vital the four wheel drive combines are out there. And now I'm seeing the price difference that he's seeing out in Pennsylvania versus you know here in Iowa. I, I can't statistically pull out that major price difference that he can. Um, so it's just stuff like that. That's important depending on where you live and what your situation is.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a great example. Kevin out there at Hoover's. I mean, he's the guy's thin one out there in the world is dialed into what's going on around him. Kevin, I mean, you guys, guys dialed in great there, but it's funny to watch these waves come, right? So they typically start somewhere and they work their way to a certain direction. And sometimes it's in the middle of the country and the, and the wave kind of goes, goes east. It's funny that you don't see the wave ever get across the Rocky Mountains, though. You know, it's it like the Rocky Mountain; It's kind of it's like a whole different world over there as far as how things, how things work and what things do. But it, it's, it's – it, so whatever Kevin's seeing right now, three, four, five, six months, whatever it might be, We out here in the, uh, in the far west uh, Corn Belt, we could start seeing what he's talking about there. So being able to see those trend lines develop – and, and and what they look like. That stuff's also important. You know, I've talked about the flow of equipment north to south. You know, you have these higher spec machines that come out of Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska, Minnesota, North and South Dakota, those kind of things, and how they work their way down into um into the deep south, you know, the Mississippi, the Alabama, Georgia, those kind of things. But the same that being said, those tractors out of out of the deep south work their way back to the north because they're typically a lower spec tractor and they have a great feedlot operation type of Kind of feel because of what they have because of how where they how they set up and what they look like, so watching that flow of how those machines come back and forth and where they where they're coming from, what they're doing, what it looks like I mean to me it's just uh it's very impressive to watch how so much of this stuff has developed and, and grown along the way that um just tracking these trends that you see happening and really paint a picture as to what what's going to happen, not what is happening, but what is going to happen. And it's just, it's a, it's, it's fun to watch them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to the, um, the Ag South guys uh, this summer and about tractors and combines and, and what they might expect, because we were seeing it, we were seeing it creep from the Dakotas essentially down and mm-hmm. you could say, okay, this is heading your way, but you got to, you know, you've got a heads up on this thing. Right. But then we were talking about sprayers and sprayers are a little bit different to where it doesn't necessarily flood one direction or the other always, but just because they're prolific use of the sprayers in the cotton fields in the south sure. and Texas and yep. the fact that they can use them year round. Yeah. Uh, so we don't in the Midwest, we don't necessarily predict that market uh, because they're using them, they're getting brand new ones, and sometimes those come back up north a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So by tracking the sprayer values down south, we're able to look at like, okay, here's my, here might be what we see, you know august sale time and the end of year sale time and it's it's kind of playing out that way um, yeah. with the stronger spray market yep
0: i've always wanted to to spend the time and effort to do this video you'd have to have an incredible amount of data that goes back a long long ways but see how many pieces that you could find that started out in in mississippi for example hmm. and how many times they came back into to uh different places or different, you know, sites on the internet and see how many times they came through and then what, where were they at along the chain before they got to wherever, you know, when they got done and and then they did, they make their way back down. Cause I've even seen that come through a couple times, but you know, watching those things move and how often are they moving up and what hour range are they moving into all those trends make such a huge difference in what you see happening in your area. So if you're, you know, if you're in a, in a, in an area where you're heavily relying upon, maybe you don't even know this, but you may be heavily relying upon those machines moving out to a different area or staying in your area, right? Mm-hmm. You have got to know that in order to be ready for whatever's coming, right? right. If, you, if you're heavily relying on 10 or 15 tractors a year leaving your area and going off someplace else because you don't have the, the machine pop, you can't, you can't absorb the machine population in the area and those 10 or 15 tractors stick around, but you aren't necessarily aware of that trend line, you have a you have a used equipment problem coming your way, right? Um, if you need those tractors to stay there because you need the used equipment population and they leave, well now all of a sudden you have a, a demand issue and, and your market is gonna adjust to that. It may be it may be you might be ten or fifteen thousand dollars higher than everybody around you in and, you know, relatively regional areas and those kind of things, but you got to know that, and I think that's just that's such a key part to use equipment management and, and, and used equipment um thought processes as you look through these things those are that's knowing what what your equipment does, when's it, how's it moving, where's it going, and what you can and can't afford to have come in and out of your area that's that's such a a big deal that you got to pay attention yeah. to.
2: Yeah. I mean, in college, I was a chemical engineer. So we didn't study tractors at all. But (laughs) what we did study though is like the flow of material in and out of processes. And it's the exact same thing. And you've just got, you know, you've got to really understand obviously the flow in is important and what you're getting allocated and and what else might get, you know, put in your market. But on the outside, obviously you've got auctions that are people are utilizing right now and where you choose to auction that stuff. And that's kind of the quick trigger that you can pull, but then setting up the wholesale channels like you want to. Uh, and then also, you know, what you want to, you know, what you can retail out, but then also the export market, which gets, you know, the more of these options to get in there that just gets interesting on managing it. And then also trying to understand what's coming down the pipeline. You know, nobody really probably predicted what was going on in Ukraine, but, um, now seeing China, uh, and then what's going on in Brazil and how much you can actually get out into those markets. Um, it's an important lever that you've got to be able to pull so you can manage that essentially that water level in your tank
0: yep and to your point 10 years ago you couldn't get anything into china and you could you couldn't get anything into brazil either and that's that's dr- dramatically changed and what that looks like too so new markets popping up all over the place that's the beautiful thing about staying on top of these trend lines that you can understand what's happening see what happens and see how those things roll and um if you're uh, on the cutting edge of that stuff you're gonna you're gonna win every time and that's you're gonna you're gonna find profitability where other people aren't, and I think that's uh, that's a good idea. So, all right, Andy, that's probably a good place to stop. Any any final thoughts you want to throw out there before we close things down?
2: Uh, I mean, just in terms of updates, uh, you know, we've got th- things are changing fast, uh, and so I know we're holding some meetings with dealers almost every week now just to kind of break down this auction market and, and what's going on. So, if you've got questions about what's going on, uh, everybody can feel free to email me at a at tractorzoom.com. they can also go to our website and and find some contact information pretty easy there but um but yeah staying on top of the market is important i mean what we're seeing some mixed results within tractors some older combines starting to weaken like i said sprayers staying strong um but that's right now as of the first week in december with all these auctions and all this volume coming through um it's always changing
0: yep definitely a uh you know, I, I don't know that since I've been in this business that there's been a time where I can say that there hasn't been a, an incredible amount of issues that you have to overcome. And they've all been different. They've not been the same. So um, they might they might look the same, but they feel a lot different. So make sure you stay on top of that stuff. Make sure you are looking at trend lines and know what those look like. So Andy, appreciate you being the podcast man. Uh, one more time, if folks want to reach out to you, what's
2: the best way to do that? Yeah, they can email me at acampbell at tractorzoom.com or go to tractorzoom.com or tractorzoompro.com to learn more about us. And also there's contact information there that they can reach out. And I'm always happy to uh, pick up the phone, hop on a call, and, and discuss what's going on. Right on.
0: Well, Andy, appreciate you being on, man. We'll talk to you again soon.
2: Okay, appreciate it, Casey. Thank right
0: you. On. Yeah, right on, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Go to, uh, let see where I'm at now. i got Snapchat, Moving Iron Podcast, and go to, uh, what's that on? TikTok. Go to that one, too. Moving Iron Podcast. Uh, go to MovingIronLLC.com for everything Moving Iron-related, and go to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check us out there to see the video version of this very process. So, um I think that's really about all I got. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Andy Campbell. Let's move some folks. Wow.
1: When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon.
0: Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours.
1: You'll find us here, moving higher.